Here we go. Yes, you're listening to Rumination Thursday on this January the 20th, Law and Gospel in the year 2020-2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is our good friend, the Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. You're staying warm? I'm in the house. Is it cold outside? It's seven degrees out here. Seventy? That's good. Seven. Seven. Oh, seven. Oh, boy. You know, it kills me. Not the cold. I can take that. It's the wind. Hmm. Yeah, we went out yesterday. We had to go a couple of places, and it was really windy. And that, that was tough, getting to the cars and all this sort of thing. Because we don't have a garage where we can put the cars in. And it was kind of fun yesterday. So what are we doing today? Well, if you'll remember, Monday was a holiday, Martin Luther King. And we were not on the air. Uh, we did have a repeat broadcast from before on one of the lessons for this coming Sunday, which is the third Sunday after the Epiphany, and we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Old Testament reading is Nehemiah 8, but the Gospel is Luke 4. And what's this season called? Well, the season is the Sundays after Epiphany. Epiphany meaning revelation, manifestation, or revealing. Exactly. And each Sunday reveals, I believe, the divinity of Jesus Christ, which none of the disciples believed, not even his mother, certainly not his brothers and sisters until after the resurrection. And so each epiphany shows that Jesus is God. The first Sunday of the epiphany is, of course, the baptism of our Lord, where Jesus is told, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The second epiphany is, of course, the great miracle at Cana, and verse 11 of that text talks about how he manifested himself, and that word manifest is the word, as you said already, for epiphany. So now we're in the third Sunday of Epiphany, and we have to see whether or not Jesus reveals himself as God and whether the people accept it. So we're in Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. So would you read through verse 19? And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found it the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. 
he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, it was very common for Jesus to explain why he had come to earth and later on the road to Emmaus, why it was necessary for him to die and be raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. And he did that by quoting Old Testament verses. Now, these verses, they say, are from Isaiah. Uh, Do you know the specific place in Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and and, uh, 2. Exactly. In Isaiah, who I consider to be the great prophet of the Old Testament, because it tells so much about the mission of Jesus that you really need to read it. Uh, We're going to take a look at some other parts of it. But it says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. When did that occur? Would we, well, would we say his baptism? Yes. Remember at his baptism, all three persons of the Trinity were there. God the Father spoke from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Jesus stood in the water and the Holy Spirit descended from above like a dove and went into Jesus. And this is where we would say that Jesus began his ministry. The Gospel of John actually recounts the nays like that first day of his ministry. He's with John the baptizer and he selects a couple of disciples. The second day, he collects some more disciples. And the third day is the wedding at Cana. So this is very close to the epiphany season where Jesus is beginning to reveal who he really is. So the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because, and what's the reason for that? according to the next part of the verse. Because the Lord has anointed him. His anointing took place there at his baptism, didn't it? Uh, Yes. And the word anoint, of course, is the meaning of the word Messiah in the Hebrew and Christ in the Greek. So that's why Jesus is the fulfillment of, of the promised Savior that was first promised to Adam and Eve. When when did that occur? Oh, at the fall when he gave them uh, the promise that that one day uh, a Savior would be born through them. Yes, exactly. So it's very clear that Jesus is quoting Isaiah And he's doing it in Nazareth, where he had been brought up as a child. And it says, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. 
and in this time he stood up to read. The individual who was in charge of the synagogue would often choose who would read from the Old Testament scriptures, and therefore they would also explain. And that's what Jesus does. He takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, as you said, from chapter 61, and he then proclaims that he has been anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, who would that refer to, captives? Captives, those held in bondage to sin and death. In Luke, you, you see miracles of healing uh, uh, going on, and yet uh, also healing to miraculous. For instance, uh, the paralytic. Uh, when Jesus said his sins are forgiven, they said, by what authority do you do that? He said, which is easier, to tell him to get up and walk or tell him his sins are forgiven? Yes. Yes. So that's very good that Luke has a lot of cleansing miracles. And recovery of sight to the blind, uh, that's also found in other Gospels. John 9 is recovery of sight to the man who was born blind. And then to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Who would that be? Uh, on, the, on the blind for a second. What was the last healing before Jesus enters into Jerusalem? Was it healing of the blind? Healing of the blind, John 9. Interesting. Yeah, or Luke 18. Okay. Um, it, it kind of reminds you that Jesus was following the Old Testament and healing. His first oh, yeah. miracle was making wine into water. What other miracle occurred in the Old Testament of making water into something else? Water into something else. Yeah, the first miracle of Moses. Oh, he turned the uh, sea red, didn't he? Yes, the water became blood. Blood, That's yeah. one of the first curses of those that God had brought upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And a lot of times these curses would occur only in the Egyptian part of Egypt not in the Israeli part of Egypt, showing again that God is taking care of his people. And setting at liberty those who are oppressed. And who are the oppressed? The oppressed? Well, those that are found in, in, in the bondage of sin and death. Yeah, they are oppressed by the devil. Now, I don't know if you're aware of what this Sunday's going to be, but I'm going to use that part, set those who are oppressed to refer to them. Uh, do you know what uh, we're celebrating this Sunday? Third Sunday it's, after Epiphany. Yeah. 
It's a march in yeah. Washington. Oh, the right to life. Yes, that that is really a key. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? How how God's word comes to full bear the, the sense of the oppressed. You know, here we're talking about those that are being aborted as babies. Right, and Jesus, of course. When you take a look at the uh, book of Proverbs, Jesus is wisdom, and he gives us commands. And we're not just to memorize the commandments, we're to know them, make them part of our heart so that we desire to obey them. And therefore, there are many women who have had abortions, recognize now what a sin that was, repent of that, and they also are forgiven. And we go ahead. Yeah. And you notice, too, you know, you mentioned that the Old Testament readings from Nehemiah 8, and that's Ezra who reads the law and reminds the people to follow the law of God. And then Psalm 19, it's a psalm for the day. Is the law of the Lord that is perfect. So, you know, it comes full circle, but also as we look at the gospel, how, how uh, sins are forgiven through Christ. Yeah, verse uh, 8 of Nehemiah chapter 8 is really important because as they were reading from the law of God, they also gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. This is why I always hesitate to have the confirmands memorize, say, the Ten Commandments before we go over them, because they really don't know a lot of times what they really mean. But once they have the meaning, it's easier, therefore, to memorize and have this as part of your life, and therefore desire to obey God's law. Excellent point that you bring up. I I can remember discussing with Board of Elders how we were teaching the kids, and they were always insistent that that if we did memory, that they understand what they were memorizing. Exactly. So Jesus reads from the scroll, and he says, everybody is fixed on him, And he says to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What's he talking about? You skipped a couple parts. (laughs) Well, he's he's talking about that he is the one who's anointed, who's come to fulfill that. But uh, I want to go back to this reading from Isaiah 61. I I found a couple of nuggets in there. Go ahead. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then they had the 50-year jubilee in Israel where uh, debts were released, slaves were freed, and lands were restored to the people. And and that's what Jesus is coming to do in his ministry. Yes, to do it eternally. And so and when you know what part, yeah, Go ahead. you know what part he didn't say out of Isaiah sixty-one. 
Um, and the day of vengeance, day of vengeance of our God. He didn't quote that. Why do you think that is? Well, it could be. Remember that Jesus quotes a lot of times not from the Hebrew, but from the Septuagint, which sometimes says it in a different way. Uh, but I don't see that big a difference between to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and also to speak about what you just said, to comfort all who mourn and the day of vengeance of our God. Because what follows that is to comfort all who mourn. Mourn, yeah. Well, I, I see it as uh, it, it, the day of vengeance comes what, at the end times, like Matthew 24, when right. he returns with all all his power and glory. So when he says this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, I find it interesting that verse 22 says, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Now, why would they speak well of him when he's speaking like this, saying he is a fulfillment? of that Old Testament. Every knee shall bow, where it talks about in Philippians when they hear, 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 hear him, or in Garden of Gethsemane, when they said, who do you look for, Jesus? And he says, I am he. And they, they all take a step back and kneel when they hear the word. Yes. Jesus is well known, even in Nazareth, of doing the miracles that he has done. And therefore, they really believe that he, therefore, is going to be doing miracles for them also. And he began to say that the scripture is fulfilled. People spoke well of him. And then they says, is not this Joseph's son? Now, that shows that they don't realize that he is also God, even though mm. the passage from Isaiah makes it clear. Yeah, then he goes on to say, Dallas, you quote to me this proverb, physician heal that I saw, and he just kind of turns it on his, on his ear with them. Yes, he says, you know, you heard what was done in Capernaum, there were miracles there. Do here in your hometown as well. So they were kind of anxious for Jesus to begin doing that. But then Jesus says something that really takes them aback. What does he say? <laughs> I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And But I tell you the truth, there are many widows in Israel in the day of, of Elijah when the heavens opened up and where the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over the land and Elijah was sent to to uh, support the land aside to a woman who was a widow and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elijah and none of them were cleansed, only Nahum the Syrian. 
So he quotes to them that he's a prophet that's without honor, and he names two of the prophets that Israel rejected. And why did they reject him, them? Why were they upset over this? Because the widow at Seraphath and Naaman were Gentiles. Yes. Yeah. In fact, Naaman had fought against Israel and had taken a young girl as a servant for his wife. And she told his wife about, well, there's a prophet who could heal your husband of his leprosy. And that, of course, happened with Elisha. But the pe you know, people it, were really angry. Yeah, they thought they were the chosen ones. And, and they were, of course, but kind of harkens back to uh, Simeon in the temple, a light to lighten the Gentiles. How did Jesus know that... Um, well, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. How did he know that? Well, because he could have revealed Old Testament. It. Hardly any well, the of the prophets Testament. were. Sure. That's why he did Elijah and Elijah, because uh, those were two great known uh, prophets of the time and they weren't listened to. Elijah went on after the miracle with the widow to the 450 prophets of Baal. Yep. And uh, for that, they, they chased, tried to chase him down and kill him. That was Ahab and Jezebel. King yeah. Ahab and the wicked Jezebel. And so look at Jeremiah they tried to kill when he said that the temple was going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. They just did not want to believe that. But that's exactly what happened. Is that what some of the problems we, we encounter sometimes in ministry is confronting sin for what it is, like on a live Sunday and, and uh, the world out there is saying, what, is it, what are they talking about? Yes, we have a lot of rebellion against God's word today. People think, well, the way I feel, that's the spirit telling me what is the, what I need to follow. And of course, therefore, they're living in unrepentant, sinful lives because they think it's okay to do those things, especially when they get a crazy Supreme Court ruling that it's okay to kill babies in the womb or for a man to marry a man. Well, we're back to what you were discussing in Proverbs on, on your Wednesday Bible study, the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Yeah, and, and Solomon tells his son, do not listen to what is you're telling yourself. That's the old Adam talking. Listen instead to the new man, which is the Holy Spirit we receive. So what did the people want to do when they heard that Jesus was telling them about Gentiles that were saved? 
Oh, they wanted to take him to 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 the end of the cliff outside of town and and throw him throw him overboard. Yes, and what happened? Well, it's interesting in, in Luke's account. All it talks about is that he walked through the midst of them and left them. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't hear you. What did you say? Oh, well. It tells us that they took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so that they could throw him down over the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. He just walked away from them. It's hard to understand how that happened. Did he disappear or what? Well, he didn't disappear. He said he walked away, so he was still with them. But, uh, you know. Passing through uh, their midst. Just walk right through them. And and that's what happens to a lot of pastors today who are preaching God's word. People just kind of pass through their midst and they walk away. Yep. So that's the gospel for this coming Sunday. We had to do it a little late because of the holiday. But we'll be back with Rumination Thursday next week, God willing. And tomorrow on Ask the Pastor, there's some questions about a recent Bible study that was had in church, and that is the wedding at Cana. There's some points about that that really need to be heard. Until then, tomorrow... God bless you. Morning at 9:30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel PO Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.